Life Audio. And that's when things really started to kind of to hit for me. It's like, okay, I know I'm getting sleep. Why am I still exhausted? Um, and that took me on a journey of really evaluating what does rest look like. For myself, rest really boils down to restorative activities. I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. And after a quick word from our sponsors, my guest, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith and I will be back to discuss the seven kinds of rests we really need to be restored and to live as the best version of ourselves. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith is a board-certified internal medicine physician and a work-life integration researcher. She is the author of Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, and Restore Your Sanity. And as a busy physician, author, and mom, she understands that life's demands can leave us feeling mentally overwhelmed, emotionally drained, and physically tired. Can I get an amen from anyone? (laughs) And so she aims to help with our work, rest, and balance and gives actionable answers that can help us find the thriving lifestyles we desire. And I can think of nothing more that we are desiring as we move into this brand new year of 2023 is to live in a thriving way that feels restful. And so Dr. Dalton Smith, I am really glad that you made some space to be with us today. Thank you. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, so the podcast series we're in is about moving from anxiety to rest. And you spent a lot of time researching and thinking about this topic. And so I want to start there with the burning question that I think many of us have is we often think of rest as just physical sleep. And yet many of us either don't sleep well, or if we do, we don't really feel rested when we wake up. And so I'd love to hear from you, what do you mean by rest? And what has your research and experience revealed about how we can feel more rested? Yeah, so 
Um, I thought that for a long time too, that rest was basically getting great sleep or stopping and, you know, those vacations, those cessation type activities. But um, about 15 years ago, I burned out. As you mentioned, I'm in clinical practice um, for over 20 years now. And um, I had my children kind of back to back five years into medical practice. And to say that took me over the edge would probably be an understatement. I didn't realize (laughs) that uh, raising children would be a a second full-time job. So Mm -hmm. I got to a place where I was just exhausted and I thought, okay, maybe I just need to get more sleep, but you know, new parent doesn't think that. So (laughs) I eventually got to a place where I was able to get, you know, six, seven, eight hours of sleep and I was still tired. And that's when things really started to kind of to hit for me. It's like, okay, I know I'm getting sleep. Why am I still exhausted? Um, And that took me on a journey of really evaluating what does rest look like for myself, rest really boils down to restorative activities. Mm. What are the things that I need to do to pour back into the places that I'm depleting? And that's not always physical. Sometimes that can be emotional, or that might be within relationships. And so as I dove more into that research, and I was seeing this not only in my life, but in my patients' lives, because, you know, they were coming in exhausted and tired, too. That's what had me kind of look, starting looking very specifically at, let's identify the places that we deplete. And then let's start identifying what kind of activities actually pour back into those buckets so that we don't stay depleted. Mm. And all of that is what resulted in my book, Sacred Rest, and the research on the seven different types of rest. Yeah, well, tell us, I would love to know what are the seven different kinds of rest that you have uncovered as you dove into this? The seven include physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. And what's interesting to me is we don't all need rest in those areas because we're we're maybe not depleted there because we're naturally refilling that. So how do we discover which one we need to invest more in? Yeah, that was the number one question after after I started having this conversation with people. They're like, which do I need? Or other people would say, I need all seven. We're all using all seven types of energy in our day. But some of these, we have naturally learned ways of restoring because otherwise we would not have been able to survive in our lives. So most of us are already sleeping that at, or at least to some degree, that's kind of a given. But what I found was oftentimes if people take a look at their, their lifestyles, what type of work that they do, how they use energy within their day-to-day life, they can then start evaluating if they're doing something to pour back into that place. I'll give an example. You yeah. know, if, if you're a teacher and you are going into your classroom every day, you're having to develop lesson plans. You're having to determine how to teach an auditory learner and a a visual learner all in the same classroom with the same 20-minute block to teach whatever that is. You're using an excessive amount of creative energy just in the problem solving aspect of how do I do what I need to do? Well, if you don't even know that there's something called creative rest, you could do every other type of rest there is Mm. and still be exhausted because you haven't 
poured back into the place that you're actually depleting. Same thing with a teacher. Let's say if you're dealing with a difficult family and you're using emotional energy and social energy in that relationship and exchange, if you don't, if you're not aware of that, you may not take the time necessary for you to be edified with people and relationships because you haven't seen how you're pouring out in that area. And so Mm -hmm. this plays out in every profession. We're all using energy. It's just, are you doing something restorative to replace where you're pouring out? Yeah. And I love that you brought up creative rest because that was the one that was most intriguing to me because it was so outside of the box of rest that I'd ever thought about. Some of the other ones, I I was like, oh yeah, I, I, I kind of am aware of that. It maybe was never named for me, but the creative rest was totally new for me. Uh, what does someone do to pour back into themselves for creative rest to kind of get that rest that they need? Yeah, creative rest is what the restorative activities that allow us to appreciate beauty and to be inspired and to be awestruck and to have that wonder. And so we experience it individually based on our own preferences. Some of us experience it through nature. Mm. Um, A lot of people experience it with bodies of water. It's why some people, when they're at the ocean, they feel this sense of calm that they cannot logically explain, but it's just the awe and the wonder of something so massive and so deep as far as what's underneath it, that you don't see all the possibilities that awaken something inside of us. And that's really what creative rest does. It awakens creativity inside of us because we are allowing ourselves to appreciate what's already been created. Mm-hmm. And so if that's nature that, or, or it could be other creative works like art or music or theater or dance, it's whatever creative work that you're appreciating. Mm. And we have to differentiate that because sometimes people will say, well, I, I like to paint or I like to write poetry. And is that my creative rest? No, that's actually creative work. You're putting a demand on your creativity to produce something. Yeah. Creative rest is you are actually enjoying what's already been creative. There is no demand on your creative ability. You can simply enjoy what's already there. Oh, such a great clarification. I'm glad that you said that. Okay, so I want to switch gears and I'm going to bend your ear as a medical doctor for a minute because I think some of us struggle with excessive exhaustion and we can't figure out how to get back up on top of just feeling depleted in all areas of our lives. And I know that you've dealt with this as a medical doctor many times. I mean, I read about it in the book as well. So how do we know if we have a chronic illness or a disorder that we actually do need to seek medical help with, or that we really just need to start doing the hard work of learning how to take better care of ourselves and rest in the seven ways that you have identified? I think it's twofold because I think I I am a physician, so I'm definitely not telling anyone to, oh, go do this. You don't need to be checked out or have labs. I think we have to use rationale in that every human over the age of 20 probably needs some type of physical at least every three years. You know, once you get in the age of 40, you probably need to cut that down to once a year is kind of where the statistics are falling out with that. But if you have if you're someone who's 25 and you have had a physical within the past three years and your physician found absolutely nothing nothing wrong. And you haven't noticed any vast changes physically, you know, as far as your physical body changing in any sort of way, then at that point, start looking at your lifestyle. 
because oftentimes that's the area that needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. However, if you're 25 and you just switched over from a regular diet and now you're doing keto or paleo or, you know, any of the other vast majority of diets out there and all of a sudden now you're tired, well, that's a different situation because now we've introduced some new factors that can good or bad, change your your health status. And we need to evaluate that there's nothing, you, you need a new physical at that point because you've changed circumstances around it. So mm. I think we need to kind of be aware of where we're at in our own life cycle, as well as in the things that we've currently been doing, if there's changes there. Um, and then after you've been cleared, if there's nothing new going on with you physically and your doctor, like many of the people who read my book or, you know, write reviews and come and send me email say, my doctor said they couldn't find anything wrong with me, but I know I'm tired. That's when you need to pick up sacred rest. That's when you need to do the rest quiz. That's when you need to start evaluating. Is there something else that I'm missing that is not a a pill fix that's going to require a lifestyle fix? Yeah. I love that. And you brought up the rest quiz that's in your book. Is it anywhere else as well that we could discern a little bit more through the questions you're asking about what rest we need? Yeah. So there's a a assessment at restquiz.com. It's a free assessment that anyone can take. And it takes, it takes about five minutes. I'll be honest. It's It's a true assessment. It has over 50 questions. And so you go through that and it gives you at the end, you get an email that states, what your scores are in all seven areas. And then at that point in time, you get to decide which type of rest you want to dive into first, because you can't eat the whole elephant. (laughs) If you truly are burned out like I was, you can't hit all seven areas at one time. That in itself is overwhelming. You're going to need to pick your area of greatest rest deficit. Focus on getting more restorative activities in your day in that one area. Then as you start feeling stronger, because that that greatest deficit is getting revived. As you start feeling stronger, then you have the energy to start applying it to some of these other areas. And, you know, many of these restorative activities are things that I try to get that that are, you can easily incorporate within your day. I believe it can't be, oh, I need a sabbatical or, oh, I need to take a two, two week vacation. That's not realistic for most of our lives. It needs to be something that I can incorporate in the middle of a busy day without having to block out excessive amounts of time and be able to replicate it so that I don't get back to a place of depletion because I forget or I stop. It has to become a bit of a habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also appreciate that you said that too, because if you are feeling really overwhelmed, To get a whole list of tasks to do just feels more overwhelming. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and then Dr. Dalton Smith and I will be back to talk specifically about what she did after she hit the wall to help restore rest into her life. And we're also going to talk about meditation and how that can play a healthy role in keeping us rested. When you hit the wall what were some of the first steps that you took just to help you get back to a place of feeling rested? Well, for myself, one of the the very first things I personally had to do was because I'm a woman of faith. And so to me, science and scripture are not mutually, mutually exclusive from each other. They actually work together to get a more total picture of health and wellness. So for myself, the first thing I needed to do is I had to 
I needed confirmation that this was biblical, right? <laughs> it was something that wasn't just like a good idea. I needed to, I needed to confirm it was a God idea that we rest mm-hmm. and be restored. And so I had to have a new understanding of what Sabbath means and what it looks like in today, you know, not necessarily a 20,000, you know, 2000 years ago. <laughs> what does it look like today to live a lifestyle right. of Sabbath? And so that's the very first thing that I ended up having to do is to establish for myself, what is Sabbath going to look like for me? And it was, for me, it was a day or a time period, because it was never a full day, but a time period where I purposely and intentionally restore. And my restoration was no longer seen as like this, this bonus thing. It was like a personal gift to myself to honor Mm -hmm this need in my life. And I'd spent so much time honoring so many other things that I had lost complete respect for rest. Work was more important. Everything was more important than rest. And I had to renew respect for rest and its place in my life. And so that was one of the very first things that I personally had to do. I had to change my my mindset. Um, you know, growing up, I always saw rest as like, that's the stuff weak people do who can't keep up with the rest of us. You know, it was <laughs> it was not a good thing. It was not a good way of looking at right. it. And and I looked at it that way for years. Yeah. I mean, in medicine, you rest is not part of the vocabulary. And so I had to completely change even how I view rest and how I honor it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I identify with that so much when I have been in incredibly busy seasons in my life before I really respected rest as something that wasn't making me lazy or a slacker in some way, but was actually honoring the boundaries that God has given me. I would always say it was out there. Okay, if I can get all this done, then I can rest. If I can do this, then. And so it was always this moving target that kept moving a little further and a little further and a little further away from me. And I was a little more exhausted and a little more exhausted trying to get to that imaginary line that I never felt comfortable crossing. And it wasn't until I reached my own place of burnout where I really, I think God was, it was almost a forced rest. It was, if you can't do it on your own, then I'm going to help you um, through just my body wearing out, my, you know, being mentally and physically, emotionally, all of the things depleted. So I'm so glad that you said that we do need to honor it. And I don't know why, why isn't the medical community talking about this more? I I don't hear about it, except for from you. If the medical community isn't doing it. Yeah. You know, I, I speak a lot at residencies and medical schools and hospitals and grand rounds and CMEs and all of this stuff within the medical community, because this is not what's taught. It's the reason that doctors are leaving in droves. Yeah. It's the reason why so few people actually want to enter medicine now, uh, because the profession has set itself up in a way that we do not do what we teach others to do. Yeah, We tell others that they need to get eight hours of sleep. And I can guarantee you most physicians working within hospitals or small towns like I do, they are not getting eight hours of sleep unless they are highly intentional about getting it. Um, My husband stated to me one day when I was, you know, really in the thick of of my medical practice, uh, you know, it was booming, we had kids, everything was going on. I was literally getting about four hours of sleep. 
And those were broken hours of sleep because I live in a small town. Mm. So if someone comes into the emergency room or ICU has a question, I get a call. So I would get <laughs> called in the middle of the night for a laxative or, you know, not even life or death, but right. somebody <laughs> needed something. And so, you know, there's a phone call that comes through. And, and so, you know, it's one of those things where it's just not trained. Yeah. And it's, and our, our entire, culture in medicine is not set up for wellness. And so that's a lot of what I what I speak at now. So I love speaking at those kind mm-hmm. of uh, situations, because I think it helps to be able to understand that there is a better way. This is not, this is just going to further hurt our healthcare system. Absolutely. And don't start making changes. I am so grateful that you are doing that because I think to myself, I want a well rested doctor. Like when, when something critical happens to me, I don't want my, my physician to be exhausted and looking at things because I know how I respond in exhaustion and I am not at peak. And, you know, so that is something I think we all desire. And yet we're, it's incongruent with, with the action of what we're doing. You know, we want you to be well-rested and yet we also want you to be on call for us all the time. (laughs) It's, it's a weird balance. And, and, you know, and they, they actually weed out, you know, as far as getting into medical school, everybody always asks, why is it so hard to become a doctor? Because literally the system weeds, weeds out people who can't think on their feet and can't be excessively resilient. Um, the medical community are yeah. physicians, surgeons, uh, nurse practitioners have an excessive amount of resilience. And so they are able to function burned out. Mm. And so there are surgeons who are cutting on people who barely slept the night before, and they have very few incidents and accidents, but I guarantee you the incidents and accidents they have are higher because of their sleep deprivation. However, because it's not above the national standard of them being kicked out of their profession, because there's a level of error that is acceptable, we have to understand that just because a level of error is acceptable doesn't mean that we can't improve upon it. And so I think we just have to become really realistic about what's needed to keep people at their optimal. You know, we don't want people to just be mm-hmm. okay to con- continue to perform these functional burnouts that are, you know, performing at their level of depletion and, you know, pouring out from their place of deficit. We want people who are pouring out from their place of excellence, where they're fully energized, fully ready to go, you know, their mind synapsing at the right rate. Absolutely. You know, that's what we really want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and I appreciate what you just said too, that the the medical community has already kind of chosen people that can actually function in this way a little differently, maybe than perhaps I could, and maybe someone else that's listening, that's not a doctor. And so there is a little bit of like, okay, a little sigh of relief there. Um, but still, I don't think we should push any human beyond no. that capacity. <laughs> so whether you can actually do it or not does not mean it is good for you or the rest of all of us. So, so true. And that's why, you know, physician suicide, resident suicide so high. Mm-hmm. Most of the time when I get called into a hospital, thankfully not all of the time, but a lot of the times, the, the reason that my cell phone will go off um, and I, or I'll get an email, emergent email from a hospital or a system is because somebody has met the end of themselves. And so now all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe we should take this work-like integration thing more serious. Let's call in somebody who can help us get, you know, recover from burnout, but we're trying to get people to recover after they've gotten to the end of themselves. And so, you know, that's the the whole mindset shift that has to change. Mm -hmm. 
well, we will cheer you on to keep doing that very good work. One of the, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because one of the things that you mentioned multiple times in your book is the benefit of meditation. And that's a practice that I'm passionate about. It's a practice we do every week on this podcast. So I'd love for you to give us some of the research behind why meditation is so beneficial for us and even some encouragement for us to keep doing that practice as a way to find this rest that we need. Yeah. So meditation is really beneficial specifically as it relates to mental rest. A lot of us have a tendency for our mind to wonder and to go down whatever path it wants to, you know, particularly we are a um, um, generation who tends to multitask. So there usually are a lot of things going on in a lot of areas our minds mm-hmm. processing or reasoning through. And so it's helpful whenever you're able to focus your thoughts and be able to clear your mental space from those things that may be worrying or troublesome or trying to over overtake, so to speak, your your thought processes. And so for myself, a lot of times what I'm seeing is that people who utilize meditation have a, a greater ability to get to that cerebral calm that's needed to enter into mental rest. So it increases their ability to be able to go to sleep faster. They're not laying in the bed, tossing and turning because their mind's racing. They're able to... Hmm turn it off, so to speak, and be able to get to that settled space. They're also able to be able to be more uh, aware of their surroundings, because sometimes when you are are multi kind of processing or regurgitating information in your head, you have a tendency to kind of not really fully assess the now. You're more processing either the future, what's going to happen, or the past, what's already happened. And those are the things you're regurgitating over and you're not really present. And so meditation can kind of help settle and get you to be more present. It's something I use quite often for people who tell me, especially people who kind of take their work home with them. So, you know, they might be on vacation and it's like, I can't keep, I can't keep my mind off of my inbox or I can't stop thinking about that meeting that's coming up, you know, next week and you're supposed to be on vacation. And so you're not even getting the benefit Mm -hmm. of the vacation because you're not even there. Right. And so sometimes it can be very helpful to kind of get yourself more present in what's going on by doing different types of meditation. And what I find sometimes is particularly people of faith. I have a bit of hesitancy with meditation because it feels kind of new worldly and <laughs> kind of out there and like, I don't really know if this is Christian. Would Jesus meditate? I mean, the word says to meditate on the word. I mean, right. it, literally the word is in the word of God to, to meditate. And so I think we have to understand that meditation in itself is based on biblical principles. The the difference is what is it you're meditating on? Yeah. Because that is how you differentiate if meditation is coming from a pure place or not. And so one of the things I, I try to help people to understand, especially cr- people of faith, is if you struggle with meditation, for me, one of the things that I like to do is I meditate on a characteristic of God. Mm. And so I'm not meditating on a full scripture because sometimes that's too much for my head to take. Sometimes I'm not trying to meditate on any, you know, any kind of um, affirmative thoughts or anything like that. I'm uh, simply meditating on who God is. And I pick one word. So I'm a mom of college, of a college freshman, his first year. Um, thank God we got through the first semester. And so he, <laughs> You know, it's in this situation where 
you know, he'll be gone and I won't know what's going on. Right. And so uh, I might have one of those mama moments where all of a sudden I think of all the things that could happen. And so rather than let my head just run down that rabbit hole of negativity, I will think of a characteristic of God and say the word I might meditate on is faithful. Hmm. And so the second my mind starts trying to go down, well, this could happen. Well, that could happen. Well, what about this? I say in my head, faithful. Mm -hmm. And it centers my thought on who God is. I'm not trying to, you know, it doesn't make me have to memorize scriptures with nothing's wrong with any of that. But I know for some people, we need different ways of meditating. And I think we need to give people the freedom to meditate in the way that helps them center their thoughts Mm -hmm. around what is good, what is pure, what is noble, what is needed for them to get back to a place of being mentally healthy. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm a huge fan of that. And in the podcast, we meditate on a short passage of scripture. When I asked for your recommendation of what we should meditate on, you suggested Isaiah 30, 15. And I added verse 16 in there just to give it a little bit more um, you know, meat for us to think about. But I'm going to read verse 15. And then I would love for you to tell us why that is such a meaningful verse for you. So this is what Isaiah 30, 15 says. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. So, and then it goes on. And so you can listen to the scripture meditation to hear the whole thing. But uh, tell us, Dr. Sandra, why is that such a meaningful passage for you? Well, there, there's two parts to that. Um, you know, my ministry, my podcast is all called I Choose My Best Life. I truly believe that everything we do is a choice, mm-hmm. including rest. And so the very last statement of that passage is, but you would have none of it. Mm-hmm. It reminds me, this is a choice. God has uh, kind of put the invitation out to rest, to trust, to return to or repent, whichever word you, depending on which verse you look or version you look at, God has kind of put the invitation out there, but I have to make a choice to be able to receive the gift of rest. Mm-hmm. And then the second part of that is where it talks about confidence and trust. And whenever I struggle with rest, I have to evaluate where it has trust faltered. Because sometimes my reluctance to rest is simply because something has happened where I feel like I need to take back kind of the the wheel, so to speak. It's not the Jesus take the wheel, Carrie Underwood moment. It's like Sandra take the wheel, (laughs) you know, and guide whatever it is in the direction she wants it to go. And Mm -hmm. so whenever, and that causes a lot of stress, that causes a lot of anxiety and fatigue and exhaustion because I'm trying to produce blessings or produce outcomes in my own strength. So I have to then evaluate why has trust faltered? Maybe a prayer didn't get answered the way that I wanted it to. Maybe I had a specific you know, request and it's taking longer than I anticipated. So I want to hurry it along. I'm going to help God out to get it to get it there. You know, and so <laughs> we have to evaluate these things and we have to be able to be honest with ourselves. And so that that scripture reminds me to am I making choices that lead to rest? And am I in a place of trusting God enough to rest? Mm. So good. So good. Thank you so much for unpacking that a little bit for us. Um, As we end and wrap up here, 
I know that finding and living a restful life really isn't a quick fix. <laughs> it's not take this, you'll feel better in the morning prescription. Wouldn't, don't we wish it was? Cause that's our instant world and all the things that we want in it. Um, but I would love to know what are some last words of encouragement that you have for us as we begin this year and we start this journey of discovering sacred rest? Well, the second half of the book, I talk about the gifts of rest. And that would be my encouragement. You know, when we talk about you need to get more rest, it feels like, oh, she's giving me stuff to do. But there are gifts that come out of it. You know, I mentioned seven types of rest, but I talk about 12 types of gifts Mm -hmm. that come as a result of doing those different things, of getting rest in those different areas, including things like boundaries and freedom and, and communication and reflection and all of these different ways that we actually get edified when we allow ourselves to experience more rest in our lives. And so that would be my encouragement to you that, yes, there are are restorative processes that you may need to incorporate within your life. You may have to create some room to be able to start living Sabbath within your day and within your month and week and, you know, your year. But there are extra gifts that come that you don't have to do a lot of extra work for. They naturally come as you start applying restorative practices within your life. And I think that's the beauty of it. Rest keeps giving. Yes. It keeps giving to you. And then it allows you to be the best version of yourself so that you can keep giving into the places, the people, the things that are important to you. Mm, Thank you. That is a very good word of encouragement. It is not a list of tasks that have nothing that we're going to get back. We're actually, there are many, many gifts that we will realize in our lives. And not only will it help us, like you said, become the best version of ourselves, everyone around us will be much happier being in relationship with us when we are the best version of ourselves. And so uh, that was very encouraging. Well, it has really been a delight to talk to you. And I'm going to put a whole bunch of links in the show notes for how you can find Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, listen to her podcast, get her book, Sacred Rest, and all of the things, because I know you're going to want to follow up with her. You can even sign up for an email that you'll get every day with prompts for what you can do that day for like a 30-day reset, which I love. And I've been doing that. And so thank you for that. Every every day you've been popping into my email box. I'm almost done with my 30-day reset. So thank you for that. Again, it was a delight to talk to you today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Well, I do want to just take one quick second to thank the team of Life Audio for their partnership. And if you go to lifeaudio.com, you're going to find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They have shows about prayer and Bible study, parenting, and even this one on scripture meditation and thoughtful conversations. And as always, I do want to thank you for joining me on so much more because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.